Hello everybody, this is Josh Wegar with Brother Ethan Shields, and welcome to the Missionary Micro Stories podcast, where missionaries tell you authentic stories that they love, and I know that you will too. It's six questions in about nine minutes, because we all know that if we don't give a missionary a timeline, we all, we all get awfully long-winded. And so we're going to hop right into this thing. Brother Shields, it's such a privilege to have you on today. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Josh. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, I've been excited about, I'm excited about all of them, but I've been really excited about this one. I've heard some good things and I'm looking forward to it. So, um, Let's hop awesome. right in with question number one and just tell us a little bit about you, your family, and your field. Awesome. So, uh, like you said, my name is Ethan Shields. Uh, I am a third generation missionary. My grandparents served in Mexico. My parents are in Mexico. Um, I'm the youngest of four, uh, born to my parents, and there's three adopted. All of my siblings, and including the adopted ones, they're all either missionaries or pastors or pastors' wives um, in, in various countries. Most of them are in Mexico. I'm in the country of Panama now. I, my family is missionary since 2012 on the field. And, um, and then I have one brother that's in Aruba as well, but all the rest of them are in Mexico. And I'm a pilot. Um, never saw that in my future, but uh, God made miraculous things happen. And uh, I'm a pilot now. Um, and I have a small airplane that I built to use on the mission field. And uh, we are in the country of Panama, trying to, uh, amongst church planning, uh, pastoral help, uh, educating new pastors, and, um, and, and, and reinforcing sound doctrine in new church plants that were existed before I came. Um, we're also in the midst of trying to start our aviation ministry here in Panama to fly into the unreached places of the reservation called the Comarca and uh, take in the gospel, number one, uh, and number two, help the people in any way that we can in order to have a foothold for the gospel in those places. Uh, in a nutshell, that's, that's who we are. Man, that is super awesome. Uh, we've never had a pilot on this yet, and then just um, always such a blessing. We're, you know, we're doing kind of a similar thing right now, uh, not piloting, but with uh, kind of reinforcing sound doctrine and helping um, a church plant here with the goal of getting other ones out. And so it's awesome to hear somebody uh, doing such a similar ministry in another part of the world. So praise the Lord and thanks for your work. So, um, Man, praise the Lord. Question two then is for you, what would be uh, one of your favorite parts or the best part about being in missions? This is a extremely complicated question in, in one way and in another way. It's a question that everyone should answer in the same way. Um, what I value. Um, but but when I when it boiled down to it, the re, the best part about being a missionary is that I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, it was really hard coming from Mexico to to Panama, but um, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. 
And, uh, and that's what brings me ultimate joy, being in the middle of God's will. Amen. Yeah, that's for sure. So uh, number three, then, kind of the inverse of that is what would be the more challenging or one of the harder aspects of missions life for you and your family? Well, contrary to how I grew up, um, I'm alone. Um, I, we, we grow up in, a, in Mexico in ministry. Like I said, all of my older siblings are missionaries. They're clo- they work close by and everything. Um, the, probably the, the hardest part about being a missionary in our situation that we're, that we're in, not, not all missionaries fall, fall into this category, but uh, the lack of spiritual people in my everyday life. When I went back to Bogalusa, I was there uh, at my sending church. There was a men's prayer meeting and the prayer breakfast meeting. And oh my word, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Brother Lynn Martin, um, my pastor's dad, who pastored the church for over 40 years, led it. And there, there are pillars of the church there. They were just, I missed that. I grew up with a little bit of that. And then seeing that in my sending church, it was really hard. It's hard to live without that. Always being the one doing the ministering. I love ministering, but always being the one doing the ministering, it gets kind of lonely. Yeah, I think the answer that you're giving is um, every most people that we've spoken with have had the same answer, you know, just different wording. And I think it's so true. Like it is such a, a truism. Um, all of us love ministry. We're called into it. But it does. It's a, it's this exhausting thing that's 24-7 and never stop. And um, so I'm grateful for the privilege, but certainly understand what you're saying. Thanks for that answer. Sure. So yeah. number four, then, um, what are some other missionaries that you would suggest that need to be on this podcast to share their story? Well, um, there's, there's one I really wanted to mention, but I can't because he's in most country so but he's a really awesome missionary in a closed country and uh speaks like 30 languages going through doing four bible translations at once um really really awesome guy but i can't tell you who he is so sorry okay. um <laughs> uh, another one that's really awesome that's a lot closer to me is uh samuel white really great guy uh, great ministry, great family. Uh, met him because we came to Panama. They live in Costa Rica and uh, really neat ministry, neat missionary. Awesome. I'll reach out to him. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can come on the podcast. Thanks. So, All right, then, uh, sure. Brother Shane, question five, then, what everybody's kind of waiting for. Go ahead and take three, five minutes and, uh, and just tell us one of your favorite stories that you love about being in missions. All right, this was pretty tough um, because I've been in missions my entire life. And, and I have to say, it has, there is a lot of really good stories. Uh, my family is, and I have only been on the mission field since 2012. However, like I mentioned, I, I was raised on the mission field. So my favorite story is the one about the witch doctor in amongst the Weecho Indians. 
So my dad, myself, I'm in this story I'm about 17 or 18. And um, we went to visit the Huichol Indians in uh, central Mexico. And when we got there, the brother that we had gone to, we took money to buy two horses. Uh, we took two saddles that they had no, no more need for back home. And um, we, we got to just go through some amazing places on the way there anyway. But once we got there, um, Brother Cuauhtémoc, which, was, which is the name of the pastor we went to see, he was married to a native lady. And that is the only reason, to a Huichol lady, that is the only reason he had not been kicked out because of her. All the other missionaries that had gone in, Latin uh, Mexican brothers that had gone in, had been kicked out by the Huichol people. And one village in speci specifically, they had threatened death if he came back. And my dad found out about it. And you have to know my dad, but um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's uh, not one to back down very, very from pretty much anything. Um, he took that as a challenge and he's like, okay, the gospel needs to get into this place. Are you willing to go with me? He says to Brother Cuauhtémoc. Brother Cuauhtémoc, not missing a beat, he said, yes, let's go. So um, my brother-in-law, uh, my, my, well, two of my brother-in-laws, my dad, myself, and Brother Cuauhtémoc all hopped in the truck. And there wasn't a road to the village. Uh, it was a horse path. And so one wheel of the truck fit in the horse path and we just drove through the rest of it, brush and, and uh, went around small trees and stuff. Finally get to the village and um, the witch doctor wasn't there. The witch doctors in these villages amongst the Huichol are the political and the religious leaders of the community. They maintain control by keeping wives in the, in the different villages. So they'll have one or two wives in the different villages and the wives are his titles. And so he'll, he'll do his rounds to the different villages that he controls. And uh, he wasn't at this village. And at this specific village, they had been threatened with physical violence if they, come, if, uh, they came back. So we, we went and took the gospel. We had, um, my dad had weld some bars on the truck to where we could uh, erect a movie screen over the truck. And we, we brought a generator and everything to be able to show the Jesus film in the Weed Church. And, um, and we had a Sunday school VBS style uh, evangelism paired. We had several different sections for little kids and, and young people and then adults. And um, when we got to the village and the witch doctor wasn't there, um, the people told us, uh, please, you, you have to leave. You have to leave. He will not like you being here. He will be very mad. He will, he, we, can't, we can't tell you what he'll do. He, he might harm you. And my dad's like, that's ah, okay. It's okay. And um, so th this man is coming and, um, and they said, he's almost here. And my dad said, where will he come from? And they pointed, he will come from that direction. And so my dad starts walking that direction and I'm right behind him. And, and he shows up and my dad says, are you the witch doctor? Are you so-and-so? And, and the guy's like stunned because he's expecting to find someone fearful. And my dad is the opposite. 
he's coming towards him, greeting him with open arms like this. And, and he says, uh, he says, uh, uh, yes, that's me. He grabs his arm and hugs him and walks him um, towards, towards our truck. While he's walking, he looks down at his foot. And there's this big gash on his foot where he had uh, cut his foot on a rock in his haste to come meet us and run us out of town. And um, my dad just wouldn't let him speak, did not let him get a word in edgewise because if he can't speak, he can kick us out, you know? So he, he grabs him and he's just walking. Oh, your foot is hurt. Oh my word, I, I can't believe you got hurt. I, I can't believe you honor me with coming to see us with such great haste. We have an important message to bring you from God of heaven. And with this message, I'm so excited about meeting you. They've told me something about you. And, uh, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to help with the... Um, uh, with this uh, wound on your foot, please come here. And he opens the door of the truck again. There's no roads to these villages, so they probably hadn't seen a village, a, a vehicle in their village before. My dad sits him in the back seat of the truck, and and he says, Ethan, get me the first aid kit. I get the first aid kit, and okay. So imagine yourself, see this this um, um, unfold. These people they have religious rituals and, and they, they don't know what tape is. They don't know what hydrogen peroxide is. Um, they make their, their, their alcoholic beverages from, from corn uh, set in the sun until, until it gets fermented naturally. So I'm show them in our first aid kit is going to blow their minds. I didn't realize how much until my dad pours hydrogen peroxide on his bloody, dirty toe, and the whole toe just starts to foam, make this softball size, just ball of red foam, and all the people around us, <gasps> whoa, and the, and the witch doctor's like, oh, and then my dad, just for show, pours alcohol on it, on his <laughs> wound, witch doctor goes, oh, you know, and he, he's like, oh, that burns, and he's like, yep, yep, it's good though, it's good. And, and there's, this, there's this underlying belief that if it hurts, it's doing something, you know? And mm. so they were like, wow, his, his medicine is so good. Mm. And um, so he's like, and all the while my dad is talking to him about the message that we want to bring to their people from God of heaven and the Bible and Jesus. And he's talking to him all the while, it just pours more hydrogen peroxide on, squeezes his, his toe, get it to bleed. He's scrubbing it and pouring more on it. And the witch doctor can't speak. He's in pain and my dad's talking. And uh, when he's all done, I mean, they've never seen adhesive before. And then you introduce them to a Band-Aid, you know, this magical material that sticks to your skin and doesn't come off. It's like, wow. And so he puts on uh, um, uh, pain relieving uh, Neosporin on his wound and it's cool and it's a soothing. And the, the doctor was like, wow, I love your medicine. How can I repay you? What can I do? And he said, well, we want your permission to give your people the message from our God of the God of the Bible. And he says, absolutely. Do you need a place to, sh to, to teach them out of the sun? He said, yes. He said, could you please use my home? And so we sat there for the rest of the day. This was morning for the rest of the day until dark. 
Gary school lesson after Sunday school lesson, uh, evangelizing the people. And uh, there was about around 30 people got saved that day. Um, uh-huh. And we, we were able to, but the most important thing is Brother Cuauhtémoc had a standing invitation to come back and start a church in that village because of, uh, of that entrance into the gospel that was uh, just simple things, helping a, a cut on this guy's foot. Yeah. And uh, it really was an amazing, amazing thing to be a part of. I didn't realize how amazing it was until afterwards, but mm. that's got to be one of my favorites. Yeah, I can see why. That is that's an awesome story. What an amazing testament to the power of God. So thank, thank you for sharing that with us. That's cool. So, um, uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun one. So, well, you know, this last one might be a little bit more of a difficult question since you grew up on the field and things. So maybe, maybe there's not too many, but do you have any language or cultural blunders? Even if it's in the States, you know, you're getting used to the U.S. culture or whatever, any language or cultural blunders that you're willing to share with us? Well, I have my permission to share a cultural blunder from my wife. Oh, okay. um, she was born and raised in Ohio. <laughs> yes, and, and she learned Spanish. Now, she has an, an amazing accent, uh, better than most people that learn a second language. However, she did learn it, and there was a learning curve. <laughs> and so one, one time, while I was getting my pilot's license in, Louis, in, I'm sorry, in Indiana, um, I pastored a Spanish church for a time while I was there. And um, she was running a bus route uh, in, in one of our, our vehicles. And um, the people, Spanish people, Mexican people, were trying to make conversation with her. And her Spanish was pretty rusty. I mean, this was our first year of marriage. Um, and um, she was still learning. And she told the people that she worked Mondays, Tuesdays, and eggs, because um, the word in Spanish uh, for, for jueves, for Thursday, is, is jueves. And, uh, and the word for eggs is huevos. It's pretty close. And so she said, yeah, I, I work Mondays, Wednesdays, and eggs. And the people just started laughing and laughing, and she didn't understand what she had said wrong. And so they told her, you work on eggs? And so... Uh, that was that was one. Uh, another one, very quickly, was a, a, a young lady came to help teach in our Bible in Mexico. Uh, actually, she was teaching in the Christian school, um, but there was our Apple Fest, and one of the you know there's the the fair food, and one of the Mexican things you get at a fair are churros. Now. I'm sure you might have had them in the States or something, you know, in other places, but the best ones are at a real Mexican village in Mexico at a fair. I mean, that is just absolute best. And you put this, uh, this can't build on top, this candy stuff called cajeta. So it's churros con cajeta. Well, this young lady, I won't say her name just in case, but this young lady, we'll call her Marie. She says, Marie says she's learning Spanish. Marie goes up to the churro vendor guy and he she says, I would like to buy in Spanish. She says, quiero comprar chulos con tarjeta. 
And she should have said, quiero comprar churros con cajeta. And what she ended up saying in English was, I'd like to buy cute guys with a card. <laughs> and the, the churro vendor just lost. He started laughing and laughing and laughing. So we came over to see what was going on with Marie. And she said, I just told him that I wanted to buy. And the translation was, guys with a card. And the, the vendor, he's, he's preparing her to write. And he gives them to her. Thank you. I don't even pay me here. Just this. Thank you. So that was another one. Was oh, man. That is awesome. I want to buy a cute guy. Yeah. All right. Well, yep. <laughs> man. Well, Brother Shields, it's been fascinating to have you on. And I know you are a man with many, many stories. So um, maybe we'll be able to try to get you guys back on here another day. Uh, for another one, just because I know it is hard to only narrow it down to one story. So we'd love to have you back if we can work that out again. Right. So, well, thank you for joining us. It'd be us great today. sometime. Yeah, we'd love it. So thanks for joining us today. It was such a privilege and a blessing to have you on. And for all of you listening, uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Josh Wagar with Brother Matt Shields, and you've been listening to the Missionary Micro Stories Podcast.